Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We're talking sleepers here today on Fantasy Football Today. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard joining us as he does from the lovely state of Washington. It's our buddy Ben Gretsch. Ben, Dave, thanks for taking some time here to talk some sleepers for 2020. You guys excited? We're already looking at sleepers, breakouts, and busts. You know, somebody told me it's too early. Too early to look at sleepers. And to that, I say, pish tosh. We're going to get into it. I know you enjoy doing this now. I have a question for you. You've done this. How many years have you done the sleepers this early um, before, like, rehashing the list again yeah. and again and again and like molding it into your work of art by the time you push it out the door <laughs> in August. How many years have you started doing sleepers in February? Work of art is not the way I probably would describe it. Um, <laughs> I've been doing it. I actually wrote in the sleepers 1.0. The stories will be out on CBSports.com probably by the time you guys listen to this. That this is the first time that I used an incoming rookie in February as a sleeper. And it's Joe Burrow because mm-hmm. we know where he's going to be most likely unless there's something crazy that happens. But and I wrote in there that I've been probably doing it 15 years, you know, so right um, or or close to it, 10 plus years uh, for sure. So uh, the first version of this is always the most annoying version of this because we do it usually right around post Super Bowl and by the middle of March, half the guys have changed. Yeah, but um, to your your point about doing it early. Uh, we have a job to do and we have to give some content to people. So, sure. uh, that's part no, of the I reason get it. why, but, yeah. um, it is a, uh, it is a fun and frustrating experience all rolled into one. Can I ask a follow up question? Sure. How many players that are on the sleeper list in February are still there in August? Like the very last one you do. So the process and, and Ben, you could jump in here after this, but the process that I usually go through is, uh, this will be like kind of the, the rough outline of what the sleepers will look like in August. Um, then I'll do sometimes four versions but uh then there's the magazine version of this which changes after the draft then there's the second version that goes on the site which is usually right after the the magazine comes out then there's the second version of the magazine which also has a little different variation of it and then there's the final version in august so there's probably one or two guys i mean the quarterbacks don't usually change very much Mm -hmm. um you know so i'll usually pick apart you know whether it's one guy from the breakouts or one guy from the sleepers and i cheat a little bit because i usually when i list the sleepers i do like other sleepers to note and so, like, I'll use one of the guys I just don't write anything about, and then I'll write about one of those guys too. So there, there's a lot of moving parts. They're they're, they're in the minor leagues of sleepers. They're in the, they, the no, they're they in get the, the call up when uh, when you need somebody. They, they just get a little bit more of the spotlight. So uh, Ben, I don't know if you go about this process as well of of looking at sleepers, breakouts, and busts early. I, I know you're going to uh, certainly be reading and, and and helping publish the content that we're doing, but. Uh, do you usually go about making some ideas of some sleepers, breakouts, and busts? And I say that you get, you guys have both contributed to the the guys we're going to talk about today on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I this year I did a, a big stealing signals breakdown, like end of season breakdown, which I think I'm I'm going to refer back to and will help me kind of identify things. But one of the big issues, and and you kind of hit on it when you were talking about this, is as this uh, off season goes along, as ADP you know changes, it it crystallizes. Right now, we don't even know. Yep. Uh, I, I, I'm sure one of my quarterbacks you guys are going to point out probably isn't a, really a sleeper. I, you know, I was looking around at different ADPs and trying to figure out which quarterbacks to choose. It's challenging at this point because we don't really have reliable ADP. So, uh, you pick a guy that's a sleeper now, he might not be a sleeper in August. He might be, you know, a fifth round pick. So, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah, you have one of those guys. I'm going to make fun of you a little bit by calling Kyler Murray a sleeper, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. But in any event, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I, I go off of our rankings in, in some cases now because I think we do a good job of getting our rankings out early and so kind of seeing, you know, where we have our guys consensus to see, you know, if, okay, this is kind of where I think, cause we drive our ADP in, in a lot of cases by telling people that they should go in this round or this area and, you know, people tend to sure. follow suit and them. 
Uh, but yeah, it's a good point, Ben. Is, is average draft position is going to dictate that. So, uh, give me your number one early sleeper. Just one guy that, that when you were going through this and, and again, I, I did, uh, 12 that I wrote about and then, you know, probably an additional 15 on top of that, just names. Um, so I have a lot of guys, but is there one that you're going through? You guys sure. get two at each position. I, I can't say for sure that I can't wait to draft him because there's a chance that I might not draft Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, like Carson the borderline Wentz. What, a sleeper? Question. Well, where is he going to get drafted, Jim? Well, I, Do you I, think he's going to be a guy that gets taken in the top The reason I say, The reason I say questionable, when I saw the name in the notes that Ben Schrager gave us of the guys that you listed, I was like, really? Carson Wentz sleeper? And I went back and looked at our drafts, and he was the 13th quarterback off the board. Uh-huh. So that kind of – I wasn't going to give you as much of a hard time as I was going to give Ben for putting Kyler Murray to sleeper. But, um, <laughs> Uh, Wentz, I think, is, is a borderline starter. We have him consensus 11. Uh, you're the only one that doesn't have him. He's outside of as, my top 12, starter, but and you have I have a hard 13. time with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm at 13. Um, I think he's going to end up getting drafted as a starter, depending on what the Eagles do for their receiving core. But that's, uh, that's certainly one that, you know, I, I think you'll be able to wait on. And, and he has the chance to be a right. top 10 type of guy. But I'm and, not sure if I'm going to purposely wait on quarterback this year. Like, this is something we'll talk about. I, I think I might be. Okay. Ben, who's your number one sleeper? You can't say Kyler Murray. <laughs> what if it uh, is Kyler Murray? Right now, I'll say John Ross. I, okay. I, I really liked John Ross as a prospect coming out. I, uh, you know, he definitely had um, no bias his there, struggles. Right? No, no bias. bias whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> no, he definitely had his, some, some struggles of his own. But um, I will say, you know, being a UW alum and watching him a lot in college, I did learn some things about him, like particularly – when their offense um, in, I believe, his redshirt sophomore year was um, not really capable of pushing the ball down the field. They were in a transition year with quarterbacks, and they had multiple def- uh, defensive back injuries. And actually, they, Marcus Peters was a, a UW player. They kicked him off the team that year. They tra- they switched John Ross over to cornerback for a half season. So you go back, you look at his receiving numbers in college. They're not necessarily great from a young age, but they're a little bit better when you put into context those types of things. He's a guy who was uh, very good at taking plays to the house uh, from pretty much every aspect. He had, I believe, four kick return touchdowns in college, two rushing touchdowns, and over 20 receiving touchdowns in his final season. So... I thought he was a very good prospect coming in. He struggled early on in his career. And then last year, out from under the Marvin Lewis doghouse, there was always some like some some stuff there with Marvin Lewis. He really kind of started to, to break out early in the year, and then he gets hurt right away. But if we get Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, somebody who can really push the ball down the field, I don't think that was one of Andy Dalton's strengths. John Ross, I think, will be... Uh, a great late round pick in 2020. Yeah, just stay healthy, and and obviously if AJ Green is not there, that's a, a big opening for him in terms of getting targets. Also, Tyler Eifert's a free agent, so we'll see what they do to maybe replace him as well. But yeah, a lot to like about John Ross if he could stay on the field. I think we we talk about Will Fuller. He feels a lot like Will Fuller. You know, a lot of big yeah. plays. A lot of times uh, he's sitting on the sidelines though due to injury. For me, it's a guy that we're not going to talk about today, but it's Gus Edwards. Um, I I love Mark Ingram. You know, I I, I talked to Mark Ingram quite a bit in the off season. Um, he's a South Florida kid, uh, a South Florida resident. No, he's not a kid anymore, but he's 30. And, you know, with the way that the Ravens run the ball and what Edwards showed us in week 17, should we see Mark Ingram maybe suffer an injury like we saw in week 16 this past season with the calf? I think Edwards steps into that role. He'll share it with Justice Hill, but I think Edwards has an opportunity to be one of these guys like we talk about. Maybe a little bit better than what we thought Alexander Madison would have been should he have gotten that role, but somebody that like that, you know, just somebody that, Maybe one or two games, maybe more than that. You never know. But he's somebody that I'm going to draft a lot of, more so in non-PPR than PPR, just because he does not catch the ball. At least that's the way he, and, he profiles right now. And he's a must-draft if you get Ingram. Um, yeah. Don't you think, like, don't you want to have that investment locked it, up? It, 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 yes and no. He'll be one of those guys that you probably end up dropping um, if you're carrying both Ravens running backs should Ingram stay healthy. And I think he's going to be that way if you draft him by himself. But, uh, again, these are the type of players that when we talk about things now – Somebody that I'll look at as maybe a, a, a priority for me with one of those late round picks. All right, let's get into uh, the sleepers. But first, many of you are watching us right now. But if you're just living on your head, li- listening to us in your headphones or AirPods, you should watch us on YouTube. I butchered that read. Let's try that again. Many of you are watching us right now. But if we're just living in your headphones or AirPods, you should watch us on YouTube. Just search Fantasy Football Today on the YouTube app or go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We also have a bonus XFL week three episode coming out later today. We'll be joined by Emery Hunt, RJ White, uh, who does a lot of stuff for Sportsline, does a lot of work for us here on CBS Sports. Uh, you may have heard him on some of our podcasts previously. He does a lot of mock drafts with us. He'll be breaking down from a gambling perspective some of the XFL games this week. And Ben and I will be back as well with Emery to break down the DFS slate for week three. 
Um, Dave, quick thought on the XFL. You enjoying it? Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. I think RJ's picked one game wrong so far. So he's seven of oh, eight against the spread in the XFL. And I've already there, there's a game. I, Tampa Bay's playing Houston. Houston looks outstanding. Tampa Bay looks like they don't know what they're doing. It's it's a huge shock. I think Houston destroys them this weekend. So that'll be my my one unit three star play of the week in the go. XFL. <laughs> XFL. We'll spend some more time talking about the XFL in our second podcast. But now we're going to spend some more time on some sleepers. So let's start with the sleeper quarterbacks here. So Dave, we'll go with you first. The two guys you listed. One you already talked about, Carson Wentz. The other one is Ben Roethlisberger. So for our consensus ranking so far, Wentz is number eleven. Keith Cummings and myself, we both have him ranked in the top 12. Dave has him just outside at number 13. Roethlisberger, consensus-wise, is number 17, and we know what he's dealing with coming back from the elbow injury. I think I made the joke the other day. He's hiding his elbow in his beard. Um, <laughs> Did you see that thing? It's just insane. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Wentz a little bit more. Um, what are your thoughts on just the receiving core right now? Because oh, terrible. you got Alshon Jeffrey coming off of the injury. Yeah, right. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, who knows what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a free agent. They have obviously the two great tight ends. Boston Scott looks like a legit pass catcher out of the backfield. Same with Miles Sanders. Offensive line should be great once again. But uh, does Wentz move up for you a little bit if they add a significant pass catcher? I, I think he'd have to. And the problem is, is that there are so many quarterbacks that you can wait on if you so choose. Wentz is one of them. Stafford's one of them. Matt Ryan is going to be one of them. Aaron Rodgers might be one of them. And they're all going to see their receiving cores change to some degree. I, I think it'll be minimal for Ryan. We don't know what's going to happen with Hooper. It'll be a little bit more for Stafford because there's a chance they move on from Marvin Jones. Maybe they add somebody there. Rodgers is definitely going to get somebody else. And I think that Carson Wentz might get two or three somebody else's. I think they could draft a guy. I think they could add one in free agency. Alshon Jeffrey is going to stay there because he would just, it's too prohibitive to cut him. I don't know what they'll get out of him. And I think that the tight ends are still going to play a big role. And that offensive line, I still expect to be one of the best in football. So I'm very excited about the potential for Carson Wentz. He was top 10 both in terms of ranking in fantasy in 2019 and consistency. So he was able to be a pretty consistent passer when he was on the field. He gives you a little bit as a runner. I think he's got a chance to come through as a top 12 guy. I, I don't have him ranked that way because there are so many other quarterbacks I like ahead of him. The Jameis Winston fallout in Tampa. If he leaves Tampa, that's one guy. Real easy. Get sure. rid of him. Move everybody else up. Now Wentz is a top 12 quarterback. A lot to like about what Wentz should be able to do. Ben, where do you come out on Wentz maybe versus you know somebody like, like Aaron Rodgers? Is there uh, a favor favorite there of those two guys? No, not really. Not at this stage. And, and, you know, we know that quarterback, like there's a big group of quarterbacks outside the top names. I don't really see either of those guys as having elite potential. I guess if I, if I was going to pick one, it would be Wentz. You know, I think that offense has more potential to be vertical and, and heavy on air yards and Wentz could rack up a 5,000 yard passing season. Um, you know, maybe once out of, out of 20 times if we were simulating the 2020 season, but I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the most likely outcome, but I, I do think he has a potential for that. I don't necessarily think Rodgers even has that potential at this point in his career. Wow. Uh, the fact that wow. Rodgers is, is in that realm, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, especially when you look at the defenses, you know, the Eagles defense puts Wentz and the Eagles offense in a lot more throwing situations. You yeah. know, I mean, it's kind of a myth about, you know, how defenses impact passing games a little bit, but in terms of the Packers defense, you know, if they can shore up their run defense, that's going to be one of the top units on that side They'll of the just ball. They'll keep that doing what they've the been NFL, doing. Um, especially with those pass rushers. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Wentz is – and that's why I have it ranked, too. I have Wentz over Rodgers as well. I know you have Rodgers over Wentz. I do. Um, but I think that's going to be a debate a lot of people have, especially until we see what these receiving cores look like. Both teams, like you said, Dave, I think the Packers are very clearly going to add a wide receiver to help Devontae Adams, and the Eagles need to do a lot of work in their wide receiver core as well. For Roethlisberger – I mean, look, he was awesome in 2018. He had Antonio Brown then. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was playing at a very, very high level. And then we saw last year Roethlisberger get hurt, leave the game in week two, and was out for the season with the elbow injury. He's on track to return this year. Um, he's going to end up being one of the better value picks. You know, we had a question on uh, the Monday show, or Tuesday show, excuse me, about who are some quarterbacks that could take the leap similar to what Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes have done the last two years. Now, this is a different kind of guy because he's older, right. but I think he falls in that category of somebody that you can just absolutely take as a second quarterback because nobody's going to want to draft him as a number one guy. But if things click to the level that they did two years ago or typically what we see from Roethlisberger, he can be a top-ten quarterback once again. There are a couple of quarterbacks that could do that. Cam could do that. Joe Burrow could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, look, we don't know for sure how healthy Ben Roethlisberger is. 
But we do know that when he has been healthy, his numbers have been outstanding. But let's be honest, a lot of those numbers came with Antonio Brown. So when you've gotten a guy with elite talent on the field like that, of course the numbers are going to pop. So I tried looking for something, some sort of a stat that could tell us how Roethlisberger's been doing that is independent of who his receivers are. This is the best that I got. Sports Info Solutions says over the last five seasons, this is actually each of the last five seasons, Roethlisberger's been on target with 76% of his throws. I think that number is good. I think the best quarterbacks can probably get into the 80% range where 8 out of 10 of their throws are on the money where the receiver can make a play. It doesn't account for drops. It doesn't account for catchable the talent passes. of the receivers. Yep. Catchable passes. He's gotten you to 76%. That's pretty good. If his arm is okay, we know the offensive line should be good. And this this will dovetail nicely with my sleeper receiver that we'll talk about later on. Deontay Johnson takes a step forward in his second season. And Juju's back. I think there's room for Roethlisberger to be a pretty good bargain on draft day. And that's why he's a sleeper. Ben, you agree with that? Roethlisberger going to be one of the better value picks? I do. I, I You know, I think it was big, as Dave mentioned, that Deontay Johnson had a good rookie season. James Washington had a much better second year than his rookie season. And now we, we're looking at a pretty good three wide receiver set for, for the Steelers, even though they obviously no longer have Antonio Brown. Uh, and we haven't really seen Roethlisberger play without Antonio Brown, but he does have Juju and Deontay Johnson to kind of play the Antonio Brown role. And then James Washington to play the downfield role. I mean, he's got pretty good weapons now. And if they go back pretty pass heavy like they were in 2018 and pretty much have been for the, the latter part of Roethlisberger's career, I think, yeah, he definitely has that upside. And James Conner and Jalen Samuels also add to that weaponry as well. Both guys can catch the ball and do it at a very good level in terms of guys out of the backfield. So, yeah, I think Roethlisberger is going to end up being one of those guys that you do take as a second quarterback. And maybe by the middle of the season you say he's better than the guy that you drafted depending on who – your number one quarterback is it could be a good guy to pair with Kyler Murray who Ben has as one of his sleepers along with Matthew Stafford so the reason I think <laughs> Murray is a little questionable as a sleeper Ben is that we have him ranked consensus number six Dave has him as a top five guy and so I think if you look at it from just the categories and this is always something that's tricky like I have in in the columns that are coming out Murray as a breakout candidate because I do think he's going to take the next step forward in his career um is you know what's the the best way to categorize these guys and i think this is where when we get a little bit later in the process average draft position comes in so this i think is what you're alluding to where a guy being drafted in the fifth round i think is kind of where you'll see maybe murray live it may be a little bit earlier than that depending if quarterbacks go off the board earlier than they typically do in our drafts but um, I view Murray more as a guy that's going to go from where he was to that next step. I think you do the same. It's just a matter of where we're categorizing these guys, which is why I think Murray as a sleeper, in my opinion, a little bit questionable. But tell us why you like Kyler Murray for 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I we know he's got the rushing upside. The the passing potential was there, I think, in his rookie season. It wasn't really all the way there. He's someone that I, I agree is, is probably going to be looked at as more of a breakout than a sleeper. I kind of debated whether or not to put him in and I just didn't really have any other quarterbacks that I loved but I do think you know if Jameis Winston signs back in Tampa that in some drafts he'll be up above Murray um and and I did see some uh, some ADP that even though all of us at CBS are high on Murray that had him back at QB8 you know if he if he is going around the round 9 round 10 range uh in drafts after you know I, I think people might pick apart the Arizona offense a little bit if that happens at some point throughout the summer I think Murray's definitely a guy you want to grab and I think he was worth highlighting here because of that I, I just think the dual threat ability uh people are going to fall in love with that a little bit because of what Lamar Jackson just did last year but that they, they should that that upside is is pretty tremendous yeah he had uh second uh rushing yards from the quarterback position just ahead of Josh Allen behind significantly behind Lamar Jackson, but I don't think it'd be a surprise if he goes, he was just under 4,000 passing. He was like 3,700 3, passing yards. If he goes from that to the 4,000 range, which I think is something he can attain and he maybe can stay at that rushing level or get better. Like if he could become a 700, 800 yard rusher, then we're talking about where Dave has him ranked at five. I have him ranked at six. Um, the upside is, is, or you have him ranked at four, right? Uh, uh, I have him ranked at five. That's right. I'm nice. one, one spot behind you. Uh, I, I think it's, it's certainly something that he can he can do, and you know we'll see what this offense looks like. You know the running back situations in flux. Uh, they did shore up their offensive line a little bit by re-signing uh, or giving a contract extension to T.J. Humphreys. Um, the receiving core is interesting because Larry Fitzgerald's back. Christian Kirk should take that next step in his career. At least that's a hope. And which of the young guys is going to step up? Is it going to be Andy Isabella? Is it going to be Keyshawn Johnson? Is it going to be Hakeem Butler? One of those three guys I think would certainly help things for. 
Kyler Murray. But to what Ben said, I think you probably agree, Dave. It's the rushing prowess that kind of sets him apart as a fantasy. It's athlete. everything. He gave you at least 20 fantasy points, seven of his first 11 games. He finishes the number 10 fantasy quarterback last year in six point for touchdown leagues. I think that he's got upside to have that breakthrough year, which is why I wouldn't label him as a sleeper label him as a breakout and I think there's going to be a lot of hype about him and I'm hyped up about him which is why I've got him top five I really think that he's got a chance to be very special in the second year in Arizona but I'm counting on Arizona improving that offensive line they got to get it going and I'm counting on them feeling like their hands are tied at running back because they've got David Johnson maybe they trade him maybe they don't they can't cut him that would be stupid because their salary cap would take a pretty big hit but Kenyon Drake's there He's good, but he's also good catching passes out of the backfield. I think this offense will revolve around Kyler Murray. It's going to be a team that plays a lot from behind, throws plenty of passes. I think he's going to be outstanding. He might, Kyler Murray might be outside chance, maybe 10 to 1 odds. They're leading rusher. Yeah, that would be, Drake that it's would probably be not going to happen. Bad for people that are drafting Drake. If he's of course back, it would, you know, but so. Kyler, I think, can add to the rushing numbers that he had last and, year. And look, it I'm could very be excited. A situation where you know, and, and let's factor Chase Edmonds in too, because he'll be there. Uh, three guys that cannibalize each other a little bit. Adams talked about this a lot. That you know, each guy had their moments last season. David Johnson early, Chase Edmonds in the middle, and Kenyon Drake at the end. If the same thing happens, and yes, Murray could be the leading rusher there if he does get to that level that I said, 700, 800 yards rushing. That would not be a huge, huge surprise. I think what would be interesting to see is if Murray can be a top three fantasy quarterback um, and maybe push one of those guys out of Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, or Deshaun Watson. Most likely it will be due to injury, but I do think that Murray, and, and look, he, he sort of is one of these guys we talk about that format matters. You know, four points for passing touchdown pushes up his value a little bit because of his rushing ability. All right, so the next guy we're looking at here is a guy that Ben and I both like as sleeper quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Dave, I know you like him as well. I do. He was just on pace for a fantastic season. He was the third quarterback in fantasy points per game at 24.8. So he was doing a great job before that back injury knocked him out for the final eight games of the season. So, Ben, I'll let you talk about Stafford here. Uh, Dave said maybe they move on from Marvin Jones. I doubt that just because I think what he means to that team, what he went through personally last year, I think they'd like to probably keep him because he still makes sense as the second receiver there. But you get TJ Hawkinson in his second year, Kenny Galladay in his fourth year coming off of a great third season campaign where he had that breakout performance, led the NFL in touchdowns. Um, Stafford, think he could do it again? Or are we going to see maybe another injury-riddled campaign for a guy that's 32? Well, yeah, that's and that's a challenge. But at quarterback, there it's a replaceable position, so I'm I'm more willing to take on injury risk at that position. Um, the the big stat for me with Stafford, we've talked about it a little bit on the show so far this offseason, is just that he threw the ball down the field a lot more in this new offense last year. In prior years, his top targets, Golden Tate and Theo Riddick, they were both they've both left the team over the last year or so, whether via trade or, or release. And now he's looking at downfield options as his lead guys, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. He averaged 10.6 yards of throw depth per, per throw last year, which is among the league leaders. It was the first time he'd been over eight yards, so two and a half yards lower since 2013, since Calvin Johnson was on the team. He was at 7.1 yards in 2018 and jumped 3.5 yards to 10.6 yards of average throw depth last year. So what we're talking about is like Jameis Winston level of downfield, uh, you know, attacking the downfield area. Now maybe they won't throw as much as Tampa Bay. Um, but we should be really confident now in this new offense that he has quite a bit of passing yardage upside, and that's something that uh, will, will lead me to take him in later rounds. Yeah, totally agree. He was uh, on pace for the second-best numbers of his career, just size of 5,000 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. If you just double his numbers for what he did in the eight games with just shy of 2,500 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So, um, yeah, I, I think you know this is somebody that if he's healthy – Assuming he's still in Detroit, you know, with that rumors out there, it'd be crazy if they traded. I said about yeah, David Johnson, right. the, the dead cap money would be crippling for the Lions, but you never know if they get an overwhelming offer and they just decide that they want to go in a different direction because of having the number three overall pick and maybe deciding that Tua Tungavailoa is somebody that can be their quarterback of the future. I think they could still do that with Stafford and maybe move on from Stafford down the road, but he certainly has a ton of upside. The other sleeper for me at quarterback is Joe Burrow. Again, like I alluded to, first time that I've put a rookie in this just because we usually like to see where they come out with their teams. And there still may be an issue with Joe Burrow. You know, he could uh, decide that he does not want to play with the Bengals. I'm guessing at this point that's probably going to be the case that he ends up in Cincinnati. But 
you know, uh, Ben alluded to this with John Ross. If they keep AJ Green, which is something that's a possibility, I think the offensive line is going to be good, if not great, with getting Jonah Williams back just by himself. You know, I think that solidifies things as the left tackle, but I do think that's another area of concern that they will address. You have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe Mixon, you know, uh, even if it's CJ Uzama as their leading tight end with uh, Tyler Eifert potentially gone. Oh, now you sold me. <laughs> there's, well, there's, I mean, look, he's, he's, he's another piece to the puzzle, you know, for guys coming off the year that Burrow had with 60 touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, like we he's, said before, he runs a little bit, 368 rushing yards last year, five rushing touchdowns. So there's a lot to like about him as one of these guys you take as a second quarterback. I don't think anybody's taking him as a number one guy, but he could be around the same fantasy point production like Kyler Murray. In that 20-point range, Kyler was at 19.3. I think Burrow could be right around there based on what we saw last year. He could be better. He's he's really good. Like, this is the cleanest quarterback prospect I think we've seen. I don't know. Since he, he's Andrew definitely Luck. a it's Andrew Luck. Probably. I don't think he's quite as perfect as Andrew Luck. Like, Luck was No, perfect. but just in terms of hype of a guy that is a can't But it's, it, like, it, it's warranted. Like, he's got excellent accuracy. He he just he moves in the pocket so well. His running ability, you just talked about that. He's got that going. The only question is how far can you push the ball? Well, the Bengals have had Andy Dalton as their quarterback for the last however many seasons it's been, and Dalton can't necessarily push the ball downfield very much either. I think he'd be fantastic in Cincinnati, and I think that defense is starting to age a little bit, and so they're going to give up points. It's going to force Joe Burrow to throw, and, and I think that we're going to see Cincinnati – if they're smart, they take Burrow. First of all, that's like they'd be dumb to not do that. Unless they get an overwhelming offer. I mean, you know, if the Dolphins put all their first I, round picks, I, them, I, think, I don't know if that's enough. I really, I think Burrow is the best in the class. I don't think that two. I don't, I don't really disagree challenge with you. it. Right. I don't disagree with you, but but if I just think that there's plenty of room here where if they implement things in the offense that LSU did last year, some spread concepts, but allows him to be comfortable with what they're doing. I think that the sky's the limit for him, and especially when you put fast receivers in front of him like John Ross. Get him the ball in the short space. Let him make a play after the catch. LSU did a ton of that last year. It's part of the reason why Burrow had the season that he had. He's an excellent quarterback, and I agree with you. I think he's going to debut as at least a top 15 quarterback in all of our rankings, if not even close to 13, maybe even 12, depending on what Cincinnati's offense does look like by the time the draft is over. And... uh you know, we'll see if this is a downgrade for him from his weapons in LSU because I think it probably is. Is AJ Green going to be there? Just, or not? just just in terms of what those guys meant to the college level, to what these guys are to the pro level, they're very good, even with AJ Green there. But those guys at LSU were clearly elite, so uh, he should do fine. Uh, it should, it should if be he's an offense. got Green, Boyd, Ross, yeah, no, and Uzama. That's true. Uzama will put him Mixon. over and Mixon. That's right. I think that's better than what. He All right, does. let's go now from the quarterbacks to the running backs. Dave, we'll start with your guys, Adrian Peterson and Justin Jackson. Peterson. Now going to be back with Washington. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are choked up hearing you say that Adrian Peterson's a sleeper. But uh, we had a guy over the last two seasons that's had some very good moments in this Washington offense. They have a new offense coordinator now in Scott Turner, new head coach, obviously, with Ron Rivera. And so Peterson, we expect him to be part of a committee, but it's a committee that's injured. Darius Geis can't stay healthy. Bryce Love didn't play last year. Chris Thompson's had a hard time staying on the field. So, Peterson, do you think he's going to be the lead running back for Washington? I think he's got a shot to be and where you're going to draft him. I mean, he it's like the last slice of pizza in the box. All right, you're hanging with your buddies. No one really wants to have the last slice, but someone's going to take it. He's going to be the last running back that's got starting potential that gets drafted in every single league. And I think it's going to be toward the back half of the draft. And so what's the risk involved for a guy that's given you at least 15 carries in 15 of the 31 games that he's played in Washington? He seems to be durable enough. He's held up pretty well while he's been there. I think he missed one game in two seasons. So, yeah, you know, it, yeah, typical 35-year-old running back as a fantasy football sleeper. Let's roll with it. We don't know Geis' health. I hope he's healthy because when he plays, he looks good. And I think they're going to move on from Chris Thompson. And if Trent Williams comes back, that improves that offensive line. We'll see what that group looks like up front. I, I think that there's room there for him to be a decent value pick and a guy you target even later on as a zero RB starter in 2020 drafts. Well, I mean, the only thing I would say is that hopefully Geis is the starter there. So I don't know if Adrian Geis is, is going to get picked before in. Peterson. I would yeah, but I, I don't know in terms of zero RB. Like, I don't know if that's the type of running back you want. If I'm spending in. my first four picks on non-running backs and I get to round five and six and Geis is one of the running backs I take there, I take some other running back in round five. You take him as Geis a handcuff. Think, I could take Peterson as a handcuff with Geis, and I've got something with this Washington offense that I expect to be probably – 
a little closer to what they were with Bill Callahan than they were with Jay Gruden. I mean, Scott Turner's offense is something that Adrian Peterson's been involved with because Scott's daddy Norv. It's the same type of system. Adrian's going to know what he's doing in this offense, and if he's the only healthy back there, he makes sense as a decent sleeper pick. I'm not going to say he's going to run for you know 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. And he's even 1,000 like he did too. Right. I don't even think he's worth taking before round seven. I think round seven, maybe at the absolute earliest. That's, that's you're taking round seven? Maybe. Ben, are you even considering Adrian Peterson? I was thinking more like round 12 or 13 at the earliest. You're not going to get him in round 12 or 13, I'm not, which I, I don't, that you don't I, want I don't want Adrian 13. Peterson in round seven. There's no chance I'm taking Adrian Depends Peterson. Depends on what the running backs group I don't. Like. I'd rather take a chance on a young guy by far and away than I would take a chance on Adrian Peterson. I get it. Ben, what about you? Where are you taking a look at Adrian Peterson, if at all? I, I mean, can I just... Decline to speak about thirty-five-year-old running back. I, I just can we just go the whole off-season without talking about Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore? I just want to do that. For the whole be well, that's my other sleeper running back. Gore will be thirty-six no, by the time uh, by the time the season starts. But yeah, no, for me, I, there, there's no chance round seven. I no, I don't, I don't think for me either. You've already changed your mind. No, I, I'm looking to see where I have him in my top 200. That was I'm a quick sure one. He's not a Usually, top. it takes you a few more seconds to change your mind. That was a quick one. No, I've got him. I've got him. I've got him in the round 10 range in PPR. So I spoke, jumped the gun a little bit there on round. Okay, seven. round seven. Now all of a sudden, round 10. By the time the show's over, Dave's not drafting Adrian Pierce. All right, one guy you guys share is Justin Jackson. We know the setup there for the Chargers. Uh, they're looking at two free agent running backs in Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Hopefully Eckler is back. Who knows what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. Now, we didn't get great production from Jackson when he had the chance to fill in for Gordon last year as a second guy behind Austin Eckler. But, Ben, I'll give you the first word. What's the chances that Justin Jackson, A, could be the starting running back for the Chargers, and B, that he can be successful? I don't. Yeah, I don't think the chances that he could be the starting running back are particularly high. But I do think that based on the Chargers' unwillingness to cave to Melvin Gordon's holdout, that they kind of tip their hand that they're not going to be willing to pay uh, a running back. So why would they then turn around and, and bring somebody else in? I think they're going to let Melvin Gordon go uh, and, and, and go forward with, with Eckler and Jackson. And Jackson was good more particularly at the end of 2018 when he got a chance right. when both Gordon and Eckler were injured. And if this is a two-back two backfield, they they you know, they – I think they were using Eckler pretty heavily early in the season thinking that Gordon would be back. Knowing that this would just be them two, I don't think they're going to lean on Eckler to be an every single down back, and I think Jackson would play a decent amount and essentially be the, the sole handcuff if something were to happen to Eckler. So right now I really look at Jackson as being in a position uh, where he has plenty of room to grow and should have some standalone value and is, is probably one of the better later round running backs. All right, Dave, the Adrian Peterson scale. Are you taking Justin Jackson or Adrian <laughs> Peterson first? Should I consult my rankings or should I just spew off the top? Uh, of whatever's going to change in the next six seconds. I, I, I think Jackson first. is probably going to be a little bit more appealing. And I do have uh, – it, it goes back and forth between them. But I do think that the Chargers have so many needs. they got a lot of cap space. But think about what their needs are. They're going to need a quarterback. Their offensive line isn't in any great shakes. There's questions about their linebackers. There's questions about their secondary. I think that there's room – for other areas to be addressed in LA before the uh, Chargers go after running backs in the draft. So maybe they get one as an undrafted free agent. Maybe they sign a cheap guy uh, after the first, second, first and second waves of free agency. Mm -hmm. But I, I think Justin Jackson has a role on this team. And he started off pretty well last year. He had limited touches, no more than 10 in any of the first three games. But he was getting a good rushing average going. And I think he was heading in a direction where he could be a nice contributor for the Chargers. And if anything happens to Eckler, this is the guy who'd get the bulk of the work, assuming they don't add another good running back. And that's if Eckler's back there, which, again, we, we're He's hoping, a restricted free we're, agent. We're it would be surprising if he's not. Yeah, well, you never know how things work out. Uh, ben, just one thought on Jackson. If Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback, just on the subject of, of something that you bring up a lot, if, if his role in the passing game, let's just assume Eckler – misses time due to injury or Eckler leaves, is Jackson going to work well as a pass catcher with a mobile quarterback like Tyrod? Yeah, I think it would impact his receptions for sure. And uh, the, 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 there's two sides to that. We don't know that Tyrod would play 16 games. So, you know, you, you'd hope that later in the season you could have the potential to, to work into more passing, uh, a more of a passing role. And you're kind of drafting him in the in the off chance that he gets a larger role later in the season anyway. Um, but the second side of it is with running quarterbacks, yes, you're going to catch less passes, but you also tend to have uh, a higher rushing efficiency because of their threat running the ball. So that's something you know we saw with the, the Ravens running backs. It's something we've seen with Ty Tyrod Taylor's running backs in the past when he's been a starter. So I think it could still be somewhat beneficial to Jackson. It will hurt his receiving role. You're absolutely right. 
The other sleeper running back that you have, Ben, is Royce Freeman, who we saw last year have some good moments, but didn't seem to be sustainable as Philip Lindsay sort of took over that backfield toward the end of the season. This is a guy that the Broncos seem to talk about every offseason as a player that they like, but they just don't seem to give him the workload that we like. And they continue to go back to Philip Lindsay, who's been very good over his two years in Denver. But you think he could be a sleeper coming into 2020? Yeah, I mean, caught 43 balls this year, so we we got a lot more uh, receiving production than we did in his rookie season. We saw a lot of that at Oregon. He was a, an absolutely dominant, productive every down back at Oregon, and he's a lot bigger than Lindsey. And, and the big reason that I like him as a potential sleeper this year is the offensive coordinator change. They bring in Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer made Trent Richardson in his rookie season uh, a top 10 PPR running back, um, even despite like a 3.5 yards per carry and, and horrible receiving efficiency because he just pumped so many touches into him. He did it with Dalvin Cook as a young back in Minnesota until Cook got hurt. He did it with Saquon. Shermer's history is pretty uh, pretty evidently likes an every down back. Now that might end up being Lindsey, but this is kind of uh, a bet on Freeman is number one, Lindsey's definitely going to be more expensive in drafts. And number two, I don't know that Lindsey can handle that workload at his size. I think Freeman's the better back for that three down workload. And especially after we saw the receiving role in 2019. So he's the back at cost that I would really like to be the Pat Shermer lead back by the end of the season. It's one of those things that, you know, similar to Peterson, you know, the type of guy that you gamble on that if there is an injury in front of him, then you get great production or good production. You know, I don't know if we're, we're, we're going to see great production for Freeman. I'm with you, Ben. He's somebody that I've liked for the last two years as well. I thought he would be good in his rookie campaign. Lindsey was the clear better option there. And then last year, this was another guy that I thought, okay, I'm going to take him at cost, let somebody else take Lindsey. But Lindsey just didn't go away. And I thought after the wrist injury that Lindsey suffered in his rookie season in 2018, is he going to be injury prone because of his size? Maybe that's just not the case. Maybe he is more physical than we give him credit for. But I do think this is the type of running back that if you do wait on, similar to what Dave was talking about, if you go zero RB, he's not a bad guy to stash because you know he's going to get some work. And so will it be successful work or will it be, you know, sort of disappointing work that you're just left a little bit unsatisfied, but at least you know he's going to get some touches. And if Pat Shermer does get his way and the offense starts to do a little bit more uh, be a little bit more uh, improved with Drew Locke in his first full year as a starter. Um, this is an offense I think we're going to see some weapons added. You know, another receiver, offensive line certainly will be to- retooled a little bit. I think John Elway is going to really put a lot of draft capital into this offense this offseason, whether it's through the draft or free agency. Two guys for me, Darwin Thompson and Boston Scott. We spent some time talking about Darwin Thompson, whether it was the Super Bowl or some of these backup running backs that from the 2019 class that could maybe take a step forward. The, the reason that I like him is – LaShawn McCoy is most likely gone. I don't think he's going to be back with uh, with the Chiefs. And then is it going to be Darwin Thompson or Daryl Williams as the backup guy to Damien Williams, who has not stayed healthy during his time in the NFL, missed five games last year? Can Thompson be the one that steps forward? That's kind of the thing I'm looking at as somebody. Like if you're talking about Peterson versus Thompson, You'll I'll take, I'll the take Thompson, Thompson upside. Uh, 10 out of 10 yeah. just because of the offense that he plays in and what his role could potentially be. And I think I'm a little bit, you know, I, I try to take my – conversations with players and and this is the time of year where i spend a lot of time talking to players whether it's the pro bowl super bowl uh coming up at the combine next week and uh, i'll be doing some stuff with the pick six pod cast as well from indianapolis at the combine uh but what thompson told me at the super bowl um you know i i i can see the look in his eyes that he's a a hungry kid and he said you know in two years from now if i'm not making a ton of money i'll be out of the league and I think he's going to put in the work to be that second guy. It was kind of telling that when Damian Williams had his helmet knocked off in the Super Bowl, they gave Thompson an opportunity to uh, maybe punch one in. He failed. But I think if he's going to get that opportunity as the backup to Damian Williams in this offense again, if he's going to be sharing with Daryl Williams, maybe there's some upside there for him. The other guy for me also is Boston Scott. And as we saw last year, he really took off. I'm hoping that the Eagles don't spend a lot of capital in their backfield and it's Sanders and Scott as the two guys and Scott being the next Darren Sproles as we saw in his final six games last year he had 23 catches on 25 targets over that span scored at least 12 PPR points in three of his final four games and I think we know for me it's always been Darren Sproles better for the team than fantasy but I think this is a guy that could be like a Tariq Cohen uh, like some of these pass catching running backs that we talk about not to the level of an Austin Eckler by any stretch but um, somebody that you can get good value in in PPR uh, Ben when you look at Scott when you look at Thompson are these guys that you'll be looking at with later round picks on draft day 
Yeah, yeah, especially like Scott as you know the Sproles role, like you mentioned. Thompson, for me, yeah, it will be interesting to see if the Chiefs add anybody. And and you also noted Daryl Williams is in there. It's it's going to be a, a backfield that will be sh- shake shaken up or shook up. I, I don't know why I can't figure out that word throughout the <laughs> off season, whether it's uh, whether it's free agency or whether it's um, the draft. And if if they don't add anyone significant th- through those few months, it will be almost like Darwin Thompson, you know dodged a bullet and at that point yeah absolutely he would be somebody i would be targeting and i think that maybe is is an argument for targeting him now which is probably an even cheaper spot if you are drafting now um but i kind of think that casey will bring someone in wouldn't surprise me if they did i think they like darwin thompson they probably want to see how he progresses this offseason and whether or not he can what kept him off the field right was it his pass protection was it that he didn't run well that would seem weird because he ran great at Utah State and caught the ball well out of the backfield. I thought in the preseason his pass protection was pretty good. I thought that there was a chance for him last year to make an impact. The fact that he's the second man up in the Super Bowl. Oh, so well, I mean, I mean that that that, that should tell you yep. something. And granted, Daryl Williams was hurt. We don't know if he would actually be the second man up. I think there's a chance with him. So I don't mind the late round call on on Darwin. And I think he's kind of an exciting player. I think his upside is a little bit higher than Boston Scott's. I think Scott is strictly a third down running back. I think he's just that passing down yep. guy who who can never really break through that ceiling. So, like at best, he's Chris Thompson, and Chris Thompson, sure, in PPR, he had some really good times, and and Boston Scott can get there. I think as a bench running back goes, Boston Scott's fine. I just don't know if he can ever develop into being somebody that's going to give me fifteen plus PPR points per week. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be consistent. I think he's going to be one of those guys that has a lot of splash games and a lot of disappointing games. But I do think that certainly better PPR than non PPR mm-hmm. because who knows how many touchdown opportunities that he'll get. But I think both these guys can be high volume backup guys depending on circumstance. Define for, high volume for Scott. Guys. It would be more re- receiving, you know, right? So it, it, total it, touches. For I, him. I think you know you're looking at a guy that that could be ten touches per game. You know, Perfect. if if it's just the two of them of Sanders and Scott, and they don't bring in a Jordan Howard type to sort of make things bad for both of those guys. For mm-hmm. Thompson, it would be mostly a Damien Williams injury leading to that volume, as we see with the Chiefs running backs. And again, better pass catching than necessarily what he does running the ball. The one thing about Thompson, Dave, that I think sort of jumped out to me when you talked about his his pass blocking, was he said, at this level, everybody's a great athlete. And he said the thing that he has to work on is his mental reps. And I think that sort of lends itself to the secondary things, not necessarily how he's running, how he's catching. It's pass blocking. It's knowing where to go and what to do. And that's hopefully what he does heading into his second year. Some news and notes before we move on to the wide receiver sleepers. We talked about this. The Redskins bringing back Adrian Peterson. Dave's taking him in round four. Three, uh, round three in, now. In most leagues. Um, one of Peterson's former teammates, and I'll say former because it sounds as if Jordan Reed is going to be released by the Redskins. According to the Athletic, he has cleared the concussion protocol, and we'll see if another team's going to take a chance on him. At this point, personally, I'd like to see Jordan Reed retire. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think with all the concussions he's dealt with, I'm certainly not giving him career advice. Yeah. Why would he listen to me? But from the health and safety for his long-term future uh playing in the nfl does not seem like something that is good for him uh ben if reed ends up on a team that could potentially feature him like the redskins have in the past would you have any interest in drafting him uh i guess you know i'd have interest relative to cost i'm sure he would go probably really really late and so there could be some upside when he's you know when he's on the field and and i've always been a big fan of his and his skill set but yeah the concussions are just a really scary thing as you noted and if he does stay in Washington, let's say they have a change of heart or they re- rework his contract, uh, you mentioned Scott Turner, Dave. Um, that's an offense that would lean on their tight ends. Ron Rivera's got a history as a head coach of using his tight ends as well. Not they had a good one with Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Well, I mean, like Jordan yeah. Reed at, at one point was challenging Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I think it was the 2015 season where they were back and forth as the number one PPR tight end. So we'll see if Jordan Reed does decide to uh, continue his career. And the Redskins certainly are going to be in the market for tight end after Vernon Davis retired as well. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN had a uh, media press conference or, or a, a conference call with the media yesterday. Uh, he said something interesting that there will be 25 to 30 wide receivers going off the board in the NFL draft in the first three rounds with as many as five in the first five in, in the first round and eight in the second round. Um, it's going to be interesting. So it's a loaded receiver class uh, for dynasty purposes. You know, how many of these guys do you think you're going to be end up taking in the first round of a dynasty rookie only draft? 
It could be as few as maybe four or five. That's it. And it could be as many as like seven. I, I think running back. You got two locks. CD Lamb and Jerry Judy are going to be for locks. And Ruggs is going to be a lock, too. Uh, ben, how about you? How many first-round rookie? I think Dave's got it right. I mean, we, we know the top probably three picks are all going to be running backs, and, and typically there's going to be a lot of running backs uh, in the first rounds of rookie drafts. But what, what the, the bigger question might be, you know, how many would you see through two rounds? Because there's a good chance that second round of rookie drafts are just dominated by wide receivers if there's this many that go in the first three rounds. The CBA proposal is being discussed, and there's some fun conversations being had about the playoff field expanding to seven teams. And the regular season being extended to 17 games. I haven't seen anything about additional bye weeks being added, but I think there will be a second bye week added during the regular season as well if this does come to fruition. So it becomes a 19-week season? Uh, I, I mean, look, I, I think the NFL would like to push their season to President's Day weekend because yeah. then you make the Super Bowl that Sunday and you get President's Day off on Monday, which a lot of people I think would be happy about, not having to work the day after the Super Bowl. Um, Maybe it's 18 weeks as, instead of 19. I said 19. Uh, it would be 18 weeks, yes. Yeah. Um, well, no. If it's 17, no, it'll be 19. It'd be 19. Okay. Yeah, so okay. If, if there's right. two bye weeks. If, right now, if you're right. one yep. bye yep. week, it would be 18 games. Um, how do you guys think this will change fantasy football? Uh, you get more regular season games. I think people will just push back when their playoffs start by one week. Maybe so, maybe two weeks. Playoffs if starting two in weeks buys. 15, 16, and 17. Right. Because, all right, so if it's an 18. 17 regular season games, two bye weeks, 19 weeks in the season. Yep. No one's going to want to play in week 19. This all sounds so foreign, it's but crazy. it shouldn't be. Yep. Week 18 will be your fantasy championship. Week 17 will be your semifinals. Week 16 will be the first round. So you're going to get 15 weeks of fantasy football. So it's two weeks that we'd be pushing back to playoffs. I think so. Yes. I, one thing that I think will, will happen is we'll see a lot more guys held out with questionable tags that aren't 100%. I feel like we've been seeing more of that lately anyway as, as health concerns have been, you know, more, uh, well, you know, well known, learned about, uh, I'm really struggling with words today, <laughs> but uh, um, I, what I think will happen is we will see guys just basically take weeks off. We, we have more teams now potentially in the playoffs, fewer teams getting that wild card bye week where they know that they can rest guys. Um, and if players are banged up and teams are locked into the wild card weekend, or uh, you know, I, I just think there will be more business decisions with players to to not push them too much and almost like a workload management thing like we've seen in the NBA, I think that might start to to drift into the NFL a little bit. Could be a little bit more frustrating. The preseason also would be shortened to three games as opposed to four, so that's something else to keep an eye on. But it's something we'll spend a lot of time talking about, how you set up maybe your leagues. Uh, could impact some drafts as we look ahead to the fantasy playoffs. A lot of people like to do that. Uh, Dave does a great job breaking down the schedule, so uh, could be a little bit more work for you in terms of how you have to add in those additional bye weeks if that does happen. But if there is 17 games, something that you should look at when you're setting up your league. Last news and note item that we're talking about here, Jarvis Landry underwent successful hip surgery. That's according to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. He is expected to be ready for training camp. Impact your decision on Jarvis Landry at all, Ben, where you're looking at him as he – a starting fantasy wide receiver for you, just on the cusp, number three guy. You know how are you looking at Jarvis Landry now that you're looking at him at less than 100. percent Yeah, I mean, I think it impacts things a little bit, but he is just perennially undervalued based on his his fantasy football finishes. I mean, you can just go back and look every season. He's been a top 20 PPR receiver since I think his rookie season, where even as a rookie he was like wide receiver 31. The guy's never missed a game in the regular season, so even though he's going to be coming back from this injury, um, he is extremely durable. Uh, and he always goes in the 30s of, of you know, PPR drafts. So if you want a good, stable receiver, yeah, you, you, this guy's going to usually beat his ADP, and he has every season of his career. And we'll see if Baker Mayfield's better with the new coaching staff. Alex Van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator there in Cleveland, he did come out and say at a press conference this week, we have to get Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry the ball. That just makes sense. Duh. Get your best playmakers. What's he going to say? We're going to get David Njoku the ball? Uh, he might. Or he could say, let's continue to run the ball and lean on there will be some of that. There. Hunt. there will be a there lot will of that. There will be, yeah. All right, so speaking of receivers, let's go now to our sleeper wide receivers as we continue our conversation looking at the early sleepers for 2020. Dave's two guys, Deontay Johnson and Paris Campbell. You're going back to the Paris Campbell well. Makes sense given what uh, his upside could be in Deontay Johnson. The question I think, Dave, would be in terms of Johnson, and we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier this week, is it him or is it James Washington? Like, who is the better second guy? Who could be the juju to Antonio Brown as now juju is 
clearly the number one guy. I'm banking on Deontay Johnson being a little more polished than Washington. Even though he's got a year less of experience. Yes, I think he'll be just a little bit better than James Washington. And we're going to see Washington make plays in the preseason again. That's what he does more than anything else. And at least this year, he gave us something in the regular season. But Johnson led the Steelers for whatever it's worth. He led him in targets last year. It wasn't by much, but he did. And that's a juju missing time due to injury. Yeah, definitely missed time due to injury. And I just think that Deontay Johnson has a skill set that could be really good for, for Pittsburgh because he can do it all. He, he, he reminded me a little bit of Antonio Brown because he's good in the short area. He can cut it deep. He had 14 deep targets in 2019. That's the second most in Pittsburgh. He had 5.8 targets per game. That's the same as Juju had per game last year. So I think that there is opportunity for him, and this is a player I would look at starting in round nine, but probably closer to round ten. I think the the telling thing will be who Ben Roethlisberger likes better because I'm with you. I think Deontay Johnson is the better of the two. Ben, what about you? Do you like Johnson better or Washington better looking at the second receiver for the Steelers? I think I like Johnson better, and and there are there. I think there's been reports of people in the building that have compared Deontay Johnson to Antonio Brown. I mean, that's the role he's going to play, and James Washington's going to be the downfield guy, kind of in the mold of Martavis Bryant and and Darius Hayward Bay and some of the other deep uh, deep route guys that we've seen in the Pittsburgh offense in the in the past you know several years. And Juju's going to be the slot guy, and, and probably a high volume slot guy. But these are going to be the two outside receivers playing a little bit different roles. So. Um, Johnson, I think, will be the more consistent weekly target guy. James Washington will have that boom-bust, big play upside. Uh, but I do like Johnson quite a bit. You guys spent some time talking about Paris Campbell on a podcast earlier this week. But, Dave, kind of tell us your thoughts about what he could be in 2020. He had a tough time with injuries last year, and just the passing game was not that great for the Colts with Jacoby Brissett. They could have a new quarterback in 2020. Right, so new quarterback, that would be an upgrade. And the receiving core, they're probably going to bring in somebody else too. T.Y. Hilton's got his spot. I think Campbell can be the slot receiver for Indianapolis, and he can pick up a lot of short area targets. He's got good speed as well. The The biggest thing, the biggest concern I would have from Paris for Paris Campbell now compared to last year is injuries. He had a bunch of them in training camp and then into the regular season. Can he stay healthy? It's something that you've got to consider, but I'm I'm anticipating that he gets some headlines in training camp, and he ends up being somebody that is a trendy-ish late-round pick, one of the last three picks that you could take on draft day. Decent volume potential in Indianapolis's offense, maybe 50 catches. Ben, your two guys are Miko Hardman and John Ross. You sort of gave us your take on Ross, if you could just hit it again quickly, but also Miko Hardman, somebody we spoke about earlier when we're looking at these wide receivers taking the next step, is it just a matter of Sammy Watkins leaving, uh, Demarcus Robinson leaving, and Hardman ascending to that role, or can he still be successful if they bring somebody else in or maybe keep Sammy Watkins? Yeah, I think Hardman, regardless, will play more this year. I mean, we saw him play a little, a pretty decent snap share right away out of the gate in September because uh, Tyreek Hill got hurt right away, and he was good. He was productive on you know as a as a rookie playing his first snaps in the NFL level he was very good for a couple of weeks in September and then he, he was relegated to almost like a 20 percent in some weeks even sub 15 percent snap roll but he would still make big plays and he, he finished with over 13 yards per target which is an insane rate it's not something he can do on more volume but he's very clearly fit in this offense they tried to get him the ball they got him the ball on rush attempts on jet sweeps I know he scored on a on a, a jet sweep I think maybe it was a tip pass back in the preseason uh, maybe had one of one of those during the season as well, but somebody that they really wanted to use a lot in this offense, a lot like how they used to use Tyreek Hill in multiple ways, and Hill seems to be transitioning more towards a, a, a more traditional receiver role. They're obviously still going to use him in different ways, but regardless, I think they love both these guys, Speed, Hill, and Hardman, and they, and they complement each other, and as soon as Hardman plays more with how, how productive he was per opportunity this year, I think he's, you know, that just makes everything better for him. How do you defend the Chiefs when they're both on the field? You could just stop with how do you defend the Chiefs. <laughs> sure, of course. But with Mahomes, and, and you know the strength of his arm, and both those guys can do anything. They can run any route. It's it's fantastic. It's just a matter of volume for Hardman. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what they're going to do if Watkins stays. Um, if he leaves and Robinson is gone as expected, do they add somebody of significance? You know, this is like in the NBA, you know, guys that want to play with LeBron. You know, you want to play with oh, Patrick, yeah. you know, because of what he could do to your career and help you ascend like he's done with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And maybe Hardman has that ability or somebody want to come in and maybe take that spot that Watkins would be leaving. But, yeah. Uh, and in terms of John Ross, is just a matter of staying healthy, Ben, as we yeah. talked about earlier? 
Yeah, I think what we saw in, in early 2019 suggests that he does have that skill that I was talking about with his, his prospect profile. And I'm really excited about him uh, having a longer, you know, a longer leash in, in a different offense than Marvin Lewis uh, at the NFL level, as long as he can stay healthy. Right. That's all it is. And is that a John Ross helmet behind you on the shelf there? Can you dub? Is, <laughs> no, that's is, that's is, an older school, like 1990s Washington. Okay, just just checking to see where your allegiances are. Uh, for me, the the two sleeper wide receivers that we're going to highlight here: Hunter Renfro and Preston Williams. Adam Azer hates Preston Williams. He left him out of his notes when we were looking at the wide receivers from the 2019 uh, rookie class, not the draft class because he wasn't drafted. I think for Williams, just a matter of can he stay healthy and will he sort of build off what he was starting to do before he suffered that ACL tear in Week Nine. 12 or more PPR points, two of his final three games. And then from that point on, Devontae Parker really ascended as the go-to guy for the Dolphins. So if Williams is healthy with that ACL, be interesting to see how Ryan Fitzpatrick leans on one of those two guys because he tends to pepper one guy specifically, like we saw with Parker, like we saw with Brandon Marshall once upon a time, Stevie Williams, Stevie Johnson once upon a time um, in Buffalo. He likes one guy. Will he like Williams? Will he like Parker? That's the gamble. Cost is big here. Williams will go significantly later than Parker. So if you want to gamble on that, that's something you can look at. And then for Hunter Renfro, I think he could be the Raiders' best wide receiver. Not necessarily the best pass catcher. That's your guy, Dave, Darren Waller. But Tyrell Williams does not suit Derek Carr. I don't think he would suit Tom Brady if that's the replacement option. I think Brady would fall in love with Hunter Renfro. Yes. So for a guy that has uh, the ability to catch the ball the way that he does. Ben sort of alluded to this on the show. We were talking about the rookie wide receivers from 2019. He had some big splash plays toward the end of the season, but he was really starting to put a nice body of work together after a slow start, then missing some time due to injury. He closed the season playing very well, and I think he just fits what Derek Carr likes to do, getting the ball out quick, short area target guy that could be very good in terms of catching the ball. Uh, Dave, you didn't talk about these wide receivers. Do you like Renfro? Do you like Williams going into 2020? Love Renfro. Not a huge fan of Preston Williams. And, and Williams, it's the ACL. Will he even be ready for the start of the season? And will he be able to, to break through from his, um, rehabilitation from the ACL? I'm nervous about it. He was a receiver that made a bunch of mistakes when he did play. He's someone that I'm probably not going to take, but Renfro is. And Renfro's right in that range where I would take Deontay Johnson, that round nine, round 10. That's in PPR. Not PPR. It's a different story, but I think he, he's absolutely going to have a role as a slot receiver. Like he, he is a, he is there. He is a good slot receiver who can get nice short area targets to help move the chains and help out, uh, what, what the Raiders are doing on offense. And if Brady's there instead of Derek Carr, then you're going to start thinking of him as the next Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. We're not going to be able to get him in round nine or round 10 if that actually ends up being the case. People will fall in love with him. I'm always a little bit nervous about players and especially wide receivers that get so much of their fantasy production in two games. In the last two games for Hunter Renfro, he had 35% of his fantasy totals in PPR. But it's his last two games. It might have been when he started to break out and things really yeah, but started. Pr- prior to that, he, he also had some big hits. He did. You're yeah, right. Two, he had two right before he got hurt too, and so he was. And he to, had. To I, I just looked it up. I'm 49 catches last year, and he didn't play 16 games. He averaged four catches per game. I think that number could go up to five. So I think that there's a lot to like about Hunter Renfro and PPR. Just one of the perfect types of receivers that you'll draft to put on your bench, use in case of injury, bye weeks, what have you, in the upcoming 19-week fantasy. I just want to – one thing about William said he made some mistakes. Ben brought this up on on the show earlier this week about most of the mistakes came with Josh Rosen. Once they made the quarterback switch, he played a lot better. Am I right in, in what you were talking about, Ben, earlier this week? Yeah, he didn't really play with Fitzpatrick a ton. He got hurt like right around when they made the quarterbacks change. But yeah, no, I Dave's right. He dropped some touchdowns. Rosen made like he kind of hurt Rosen's uh the the impact of of what people thought of Rosen because I think Rosen could have had much better numbers if if his receivers had done a better job catching the ball as well. But he was as productive as Devonte Parker with uh while he was healthy, and then Parker blew up after he was hurt. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, and again, it comes down to cost. Uh, Parker's going to go much sooner than Williams if you want a piece of the Dolphins passing game. We'll see who the quarterback is, but I think Williams could, uh, if healthy, be successful with a late-round pick. The sleeper tight ends that we're looking at here, for Dave, it's Ian Thomas and Jay Sternberger. Dave, just to let you know, I have Thomas as a breakout this year. So okay. in, in the columns that will be out, I think Thomas can take that next step. We'll talk about that in a second. But Thomas and Sternberger for you. For Ben, it's Mike Gusecki and John Smith. And for me, it's TJ Hawkinson. And Dallas Goddard. But let's start with Thomas here. Greg Olson, now a member of the Seahawks. I know you guys spent some time breaking that down on the show on Wednesday. Uh, but for him stepping into this role, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but 
What are your expectations for Ian Thomas? I'm, I, I think that he plays a lot more. That's a good start, and I think he'll see a, a decent amount of targets. It's really a question of just how many targets are going to be there for him, which is why if he does break out, I don't think it'll be to a level where it'll be what Waller did last year. No, no, no. I, I think he's going to come many, in. But I, I think, well, if that's going to happen, yeah. then someone's going to have to really play. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, completely cap his ceiling, but in the last two years, Greg Olson's missed six games. Mm-hmm. In four of those games, he scored 14 or more PPR points. So he's been very good. Uh huh. Without Cam Newton mm-hmm. and without Greg Olson on the field, so those two things. And could with him be, getting more playing time, you're right. He's got a chance to do that, and he can be good. He could end up finishing as a top twelve fantasy tight end. I don't know if he's going to be a top five fantasy tight end. Could it be his sure. best year ever, and he breaks out like that? Yes. Could he be somebody that in 2021 we're talking about surefire? You know, one pick in the top ten rounds. Absolutely, he can get there. But I, I, I do feel like the offense that's coming into Carolina is going to be more receiver heavy and running back heavy, and not necessarily. Don't forget though, heavy. Tyron Moss was a big part of Joe. He Brady's was a offense, big part of it, especially and, in the national championship. Game. But he was also like the third guy, and maybe even the fourth guy when you consider Edwards Allaire in that offense. And so Ian Thomas could fit into that sort of a role. I just think you're, you can get him literally with your last three picks. He's another one of those yeah. guys that we can Well, talk about we'll see how he does in later on. Yep. It could change if he does have a good preseason. The same thing could go with Jay Sternberger. We think that the Packers are going to add another wide receiver. That would make perfect sense. But if well, they they're, they're in the Oscar Graham, conversation. You know, that's some of the things that, that would that looking. would crush it and then Jay Sternberger would be a, a a nothing burger at that point. <laughs> but if they don't get Austin Hooper and they don't have Jimmy Graham, then Sternberger could have an opportunity and he had a little bit of playing time toward the end of last season, and, and I liked his game from Texas A&M. We talked about him earlier this week on the podcast mm-hmm. as well. So there, he would probably be somebody, if, if, if there's just not a lot of news on him, you're not even going to draft him. He'll be somebody that you maybe consider off the waiver wire. But if there is some news about him, then maybe he's your last pick. Thomas will go ahead of Sternberger. Ben, talk about your two guys in comparison to maybe Ian Thomas. You know, We'll see with Sternberger if he's the guy in Green Bay. But Gasecki was very good toward the end of last season. And John Smith had some very good moments as well. Um, can they build off their 2019 campaigns for Gasecki, new offensive coordinator with Chan Gailey, who does not have a big history of tight ends. And John Smith is kind of tied to Delaney Walker, who is going to most likely be gone from the Titans, but that's not a guarantee. Uh, if Smith is the guy there and Gasecki can sort of be the pass catcher that we saw last year, how good can both those guys be in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think Dave hit it uh, right on the head with with Ian Thomas that that he could definitely have a good year, but you know the presence of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore is probably going to tar- uh, cap his target ceiling. These are guys that I think could have top five years. Gasicki, if if um, you know he he doesn't get impacted too much by Chan Gailey's system, and the reason I would think that might not happen is he's kind of a big wide receiver. He gets split out a lot. He was used down the field a ton. And this is a big reason why I like his potential next season. His air yards were extremely high among tight ends. They were among the league leaders, especially in the second half of the season at the position. So I think he has a lot of potential with Ryan Fitzpatrick back, assuming that Fitzpatrick's back and and pushing the ball down the field. Jonu Smith was a really good prospect coming out. He's always been in a second, uh, you know, kind of a second fiddle role, except for when Delaney Walker's been hurt. And he didn't necessarily take advantage of that the first time that Delaney Walker was hurt, but we saw him take more advantage of it in 2019, especially uh, in this new offense. It's run by a former tight end coach that was using John Smith on toss sweeps and all sorts of tight end screens and very creatively. And John showed a really, uh, really good run after the catch ability. I think this guy has a ton of future upside. It's kind of a late bloomer, which we do see, at the tight end position, so especially if Delaney Walker's not back. But even if he is back, he, Janu, to me, is kind of similar to like a Dallas Goddard, just probably in a less pass-happy offense, but somebody that I really like as a player and we're just hoping gets enough opportunities. Yeah, get Delaney Walker out of there at this point. I want to see Janu Smith in a featured role. Me and I too. Think it could be very, very good. Same thing with Gusecki. The thing that Gusecki makes me a little nervous is it feels almost like uh, what Bruce Arians inherited with O.J. Howard. Like he's going to ruin what could be a good player, not the same level. Gusecki's not the same type of prospect that O.J. Howard was, but he's not far off. I mean, you know, he was a great pass catcher in college, and we thought he had a chance to do what he did last year with the Dolphins. I just hope that Gailey changes some things a little bit, like Ben said, uses him in a little bit of a different role. For me, T.J. Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard, you know, I I think they kind of speak for themselves and what they could be. Hawkinson, I know you guys spent some time talking about him. Only had three good games last season, but 
Uh, hopefully we get a little bit more consistent production like Dave alluded to. Maybe Marvin Jones does move on from Detroit, but I think this is a weapon that they can use and use well. And then Goddard was the number 10 tight end in PPR last year. Um, I don't think people realize that, that he could still be this good. Uh, Heath has him ranked as a top 10 option coming into 2019. Uh, I'm going to move him up when I adjust my rankings. I haven't done that for about two weeks now, but uh, Goddard will be somebody that will be closer to the top 12. I think both those guys have the chance to be starting caliber tight end, similar to Smith and Gusecki and uh, Ian Thomas as well. We'll see if Sternberger is the guy there from uh, uh, from Green Bay. So before we wrap it up, Dave, where's Adrian Peterson being drafted? Have you changed? It, it's round 10. Round 10. I, I <laughs> got silly for a second, and I said round 7, but no, it's round 10. Okay, so there we have it. The wrap-up of the Adrian Peterson conversation. He is going in round 10 now for Dave. Thank He's you. not being drafted by Ben Gretz. This has been fun. Talking about some sleepers for 2020. We're going to spend some more time on breakouts and busts coming up in the next few weeks. We're also going to talk a lot about the NFL Combine. It's coming up next week, and so we'll have a lot of coverage from there. I will be there. Dave, Ben, Heath, and Adam, I'm sure, will be breaking down a lot of the conversations coming out of the Combine as we continue to get you ready for the NFL Draft, free agency as well. And don't forget, we have our XFL podcast coming out later today. Emery Hunt, RJ White will be joining Ben Gretsch and myself as we break down the week three action of the XFL. For Ben, for Dave, I'm Jamie. Gotta go by. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.